Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We acknowledge and pay our respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land we gather on. We acknowledge the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of the Wurundjeri people to country, and we respect and value their past, present, and ongoing connection to the land and cultural beliefs. We wish to pay respects to elders, past, present, and emerging. I'm a feminist, but... Hello, Melbourne! We thought we'd never be back, but here we are. And I'm a feminist, but being back here in Australia, I've obviously seen some old school friends. And last night, I found out that... There's this teacher that I had a massive crush on when I was in year 12. And someone told me that one of my friends secretly dated him <laughs> at the time. <laughs> and I am racked with jealousy. <laughs> like, I can't even tell you, I feel like I'm 17 and I'm like, how? How did you make this happen? And I know, I know, I know it's not good. He, but look, he was 23, we were 17. It was not fine, not fine. But, oh, oh, I mean, it's very difficult to explain. The only, the, uh, it's not, you've all had teachers. It's really easy to explain. He was really hot and really flirty and like really friendly because we were sixth formers, you know, that kind of feel. Um, but then occasionally he thought he'd have to assert his authority. So suddenly he'd get like really strict. I mean, what am I meant to do? 
not fancy him, not want to go back in time. I didn't know that was an option. I didn't know he was offering. I would have worked harder. I would have tried, not at school. I worked really hard at school. I would have worked harder at dating him. <laughs> Don't kink shame me. It's only a fantasy. It's a teacher's a, a kink. I don't know. I'm a feminist, but... I am already professionally threatened by my unborn daughter because she's younger than me. <laughs> wow. Like, do you... Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't know it was a daughter. So this, no one knows. That's a secret, so please don't tell anyone. Um, <laughs> but it won't, the, the recording won't go out for a while, and I'm about 800 weeks pregnant, so if you guys could keep it, but yeah. Could you keep girl. that between 20 and 30 of your yeah. closest Twitter followers? <laughs> Lock it down. This is a special secret. If you come to the live show, these are the kind of secrets you oh, find Oh, you know out. why else you come to the live show? Because Celia Bacuola might go full Rihanna. Boom! My, my, if you're listening at home... Um, Celia's no, let a, him guess. Let him figure it out. <laughs> Celia just said something incredible. It was a backflip and she's nine months pregnant. I love your T-shirt. Thank you. Um, Celia's wearing a T-shirt that says pro-choice. It's, yes. it's a pro-row T-shirt. It's a pro-row. I feel like the pro-row belly combo is the best one I, for these I times. really can't think of a better political statement to have made. And Celia, thank you so much for coming when you're so close to dropping. Oh, yeah. Uh, just unrelated. Any doctors in the room? If we could induce this baby, <laughs> can you imagine a guilty feminist birth? We've never had that before. Uh, genuinely, I absolutely should not be here. Um, but this is the only gig. It's the guilty feminist. I'm like, you if there's if... ever anywhere to be heavily pregnant, it's here. So basically, my job tonight is just to so be I'm here so and, and pregnant. Do you, so know, you know... I almost knocked the mic over with... Oh, yeah. Look, with that unborn feminist. Yeah. Um, do you know what else is fun? So, at the, because I don't know anything about pregnancy, oh man, look, it's a whole nother show. But um, at the very beginning, when the, one of the first scans, they're, oh, they're like, you want to know everything about it. And they're like, all I can tell you is it's from the left ovary. And I was like, of course my baby's going to be left leaning. You know what I mean? <laughs> of course my baby's on the left. I was surprised that in the ultrasound you couldn't see with a little tiny ukulele and a keep cup or something, you know? <laughs> Well, look, all I know is in Britain, in Marks and Spencer, if your waters break and your birth starts, they give you a lifetime supply of baby clothes. I mean, a lifetime supply. How, how long oh, do you yeah. need them? But here, if your water breaks here, yeah. I, you get a lifetime supply of feminism. <laughs> Boom. Boom. As a proud someone for her female, as a feminist, but <laughs> as a woman of colour... I like it when I, I meet men on dating apps. And you know, it's that thing of having white men, you know, want to absorb my beauty. And I like to let them know I own them. <laughs> <laughs> That's not where I thought that was going to go at all about, but I really like it that it, it, took a, it took a sharp hairpin turn and I loved it. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... <laughs> I once wrote a song which included the words Benedict and Cumberbatch, <laughs> mostly because it's a fun lyric, but definitely a little bit on the off chance that one day he might hear it and know that I exist. 
everyone send it to him on socials. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... <laughs> as a disabled musical artist, sometimes I need to ask men to lift me up onto stages, and I kind of like it. <laughs> do you feel like Cleopatra or Madonna? Sometimes I do. I, yeah. I put my arms out like this, and as they're lifting me up onto these inaccessible stages, I just embrace it. Just... Is, it is it a fairly Jesus-like quality? Almost. Yeah. I'm not saying you should ask for it on accessible stages. <laughs> but I am saying <laughs> you could make out that more stages were inaccessible than actually were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Woo! I'm a feminist, but um, today we flew from Brisbane and uh, we were on the plane and it was very delayed and then it was even further delayed because there was this gentleman on the plane who refused to lift his window blind when the flight attendant came down and said, sir, could you lift your window blind? And he said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm really, really hot. And the flight attendant went, uh, went off and, and uh, got a, a, a different flight attendant to come and you know, try and reason with him. And he started kicking off and throwing his weight around. And the flight attendant, uh, who was really beautiful, just went, no, I've got a right to come to work safely. I'm going to get the captain to eject you from the plane. And <laughs> even though I know that what I should have been thinking is this is an incredible display of feminist empowerment, what I was really thinking is that is hot. <laughs> My favourite moment, Grace, yeah. of the whole thing, because mm. my least favourite moment was that one kid played up and then the whole class got kept in because we all had to wait till his luggage got taken off the plane. And he was just like this quite, I, I know, you know, some of my favourite husbands and David Attenborough are posh white men. It's fine. It's just that he was one of those that was like, oh, I've been waiting all this time on the tarmac. Like, we all hadn't been waiting. He had that element to him. And as he got kicked off the plane... Um, my tour manager leant over and said, look at the book that he's reading. <laughs> Hannah Gadsby's book. <laughs> he was reading... Ha he needs he it. Was. I think he'd only just started it. I don't, <laughs> don't think he got to the bit about people like him being entitled. Are we ready to start the show? this show here uh, as much as we've built the show here as much as we built it in London we've come every single year to Melbourne we've often come and done three four shows in Melbourne in a year and you know the rest of Australia and New Zealand as well but Melbourne has really been don't tell the other cities but Melbourne has really been the base um, the very first time we ever did a Guilty Feminist in Australia it was only Melbourne then other cities began to complain Sydney um, all the emails hold on you did Melbourne but you didn't do Sydney when we're clearly better um, they didn't say that but it was very much the subtext I'm not saying Sydney is that posh white man with the Hannah Gadsby book being thrown off an aeroplane and I'll tell you that that won't be going out on the podcast 
I want to be welcome back. We're, we're, we're playing Sydney in a few days. So, I mean, please tell your friends to come. But I'm saying compared to Melbourne, they are that man. Um, so we started doing Sydney and Melbourne, and I'm from, I was born and raised in Brisbane. I know I don't sound especially Australian, but I read a lot of Ian Blyton as a child, and I picked up the accent from the books. <laughs> it was, I, was, I was shipped there uh, as a, you know, for my... I was shipped there as if I had no choice in it. I went there on my gap year and never went to university there, never came back. Um, I couldn't afford the return ticket at the time, and then it seemed awkward to leave. Um, <laughs> So coming back, you know, and this time we've done Adelaide, we've done Canberra, we've done Perth. It's been, just been so exciting in the darkest days of lockdown, because I know Melbourne and London are very akin. When I'm in Adelaide or Brisbane and say, oh, wasn't the lockdown tough? People genuinely say to me, it was the loveliest four weeks of my life. <laughs> oh, I made banana bread, I didn't have to go anywhere. It was really wonderful, they say. They don't know. <laughs> Melbourne, they don't know the pain. Oh, yeah, the first couple of weeks, the first couple of weeks, oh, yeah, there's some banana bread. Sure, there's some banana bread. First couple of weeks, there's banana bread. You think, oh, I'll get so much feminism done. Oh, yeah, it'll be great. By week eight, you can't remember what feminism is because you don't know your own name. You're just rocking and crying in a corner, shouting, God, take me. By this time, you believe in God. <laughs> Because you think he must be punishing me because you've given up on the idea of a non-binary God, which is my normal default. I think if we're made in God's image, got to be non-binary, right? Got to be, right? Makes a man, then takes a bit of rib out, makes a woman. Both of you are in my image. What's going on there? And be God, obviously. But by month 28 of lockdown in London, I realized, no, posh white man. Get him off this plane all I'm saying. Uh, so Melbourne, we felt so much for you because we knew that you were going through it before us because our Prime Minister wanted to be really popular. Um, and so it was like, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine for ages. Your Prime Minister didn't seem to mind uh, not being popular at all, did he, in any way, at shape or form. <laughs> was not interested in popularity at all, your Prime Minister. I mean, ours was feckless and craven and reckless and all, the, all that is wrong with the United Kingdom and colonialism. But yours... What was that? What was that? What was that? And how was he allowed to stay in for so long? Does anybody know? But I hear you've had an election. And I mean, I know that's nothing new for you. Uh, you know, when I used to come to Australia, but the last time I was in Australia was February 2020. I was having a wonderful time. Um, I just opened my marriage and discovered my bisexual side. Yeah, it was truly, truly wonderful. And I thought, right, I had an incredible experience um, and, uh, on, on tour, and I just thought, right, this is the beginning of my sapphic journey. This is my sapphic year of exploration. Landed in London, 1st of March, 2020. <laughs> I hate to tell you, but I brought on the pandemic <laughs> with lesbian hubris. <laughs> tell you what, God's definitely not lesbian. Um, so, um, audience, wonderful audience, um, the last time I was here with you um, in feminism, uh, I, 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 was, I was just thinking, we'll come back twice a year, we'll come back twice a year, and then I thought, we may never be here again. Like in the darkest days of the lockdown, in the real midnight, 2 a.m. of the lockdown, I would think, I don't think I'm coming back to Australia, I think this is it. So being here tonight, in the very first place we did The Guilty Feminist, in Melbourne, but... 
in Hamer Hall with so many of you, with 2,000 of you coming out for the Guilty Feminist Live. Honestly, I, if, if these eyelashes weren't magnetic, <laughs> what you have to do is you have to put on magnetic eyeliner and then it just slips on like a fridge magnet, which is great because you can move it around. But I have noticed that uh, outbursts of emotion can mess with the system <laughs> to the extent that we had a particularly emotional episode in Perth and a little girl came out onto the stage because she was, you know, highly feminist and it was just one of those incredible moments. And she said into the microphone, one of your eyelashes is coming off. <laughs> but I thought that was a great act of sisterhood because that's what we do, isn't it? When we're in fitting rooms and things like that, we say, no, you can do better. Or, oh my God, you must buy it by two, by one in every color. Don't we? Don't we? That's what we do for each other. That's what we do in public loos. If somebody's having a crisis, we say, leave him. You're better than him. <laughs> we don't know the details. Maybe she shouldn't leave him. We don't know. But, but we will give that advice, Melbourne, won't we? We will give that unsolicited, unfettered, uh, inexpert advice happily. We see a woman crying and we think it's got anything to do with a man. Where is he? Is he here tonight? Is he out there in the club? I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to find him and I'm going to tell him he's not worthy of you. You just stole his car. Still, there must have been a good reason. Um, Melbourne, what I want to know from you is, uh, have you been doing anything feminist since I've been away? You have been? Amazing. Yes, yes, wonderful. Now, I'm, I don't think I'm going to start with you and I'll tell you why. I want to get to you, but I'm going to start with you because this happened in London. First thing that happened, went out, South Bank, Royal Festival Hall, phenomenal. You know, we were so excited just to be in the room. I said, just ad libbed, if you don't think feminist. And uh, somebody put her hand up, much like you, and she went, yes, I've just raised £200,000 to take the Met Police to court in this incredibly feminist case, and we've won, so now we've changed the precedent in law. And everyone went, yay! And then I said, anyone else done anything? And everyone went, no, no, I've... <laughs> I've, I've done nothing with my life. I can't even call myself a feminist. I don't even know why I'm here. <laughs> so while the act of feminism from Jamie Klinger, Reclaim These Streets, was necessary, important, and extraordinary, um, it intimidated others. So I am, I am looking for an act of feminism, Melbourne, so minuscule that everybody else here is going to go, oh, I could do better than that. <laughs> I'm looking... I'm looking you're, it, so, you, so you said woohoo, I don't listen. This happened in Canberra. Someone said, no, it's tiny. And then she went, I co-founded. I went, no. <laughs> uh, no, most people will never co-found anything. Okay, so what's yours? Tell me. I left my infant daughter in the care of her own father. I left my infant daughter in the care of her own father <laughs> to come here tonight. And just to be clear, we are very much cheering you walking out the door, not a man holding his own baby. <laughs> and it does, it makes the ovaries swell when you see it. And, and I hate myself for it, but I'm like, look at that man. He's picked up his own child. Oh my God, he's an Athena calendar. Oh, what an extraordinary human being. It's, the bar is so low so low for men. Do we have any cisgendered straight men, white men in tonight? Just give us a cheer. Yes? Very proud, sir. Very proud. Uh, what's your name? Sorry? Dave. Excellent. And have you, Dave, uh, come here of your own will? Yes? 
Wait, did you buy the ticket? The ticket was bought for me as a birthday gift. <laughs> was that ticket from your girlfriend or wife? Because I'm going to say that was really a present for her. <laughs> Happy birthday. We're going to feminism <laughs> where you will learn something. You're 38, Dave. How do you not know it already? Was it a bit like that, Dave? I listened to the podcast and... She's yet to listen to... Oh, Dave said, well, I listened to the podcast and she is yet to. Oh, the energy in the room has changed now, hasn't it, Dave? They're all on your side now, Dave. That is how low the bar is for men. You've all listened to the podcast. Nearly all of you have listened to it. No one's giving you a medal, but if it's a man, it's like he listens to a feminist podcast. Oh, if you hadn't been brought here by a girlfriend, Dave, you'd be leaving with one. That's how low the bar is, Dave. You, you, you like a feminist podcast. And that I'm not... What's your girlfriend's name? Lee. I just don't want her to identify as Dave's girlfriend. Um... Lee, you've never listened to the podcast before, but your boyfriend listens. <laughs> Lee's happy with her life decisions, and I like it. I like a woman who knows what she wants. She's like, no. Are you just not into podcasts, or not into feminism, or? <laughs> this is taking a turn, Lee. What's the story? You don't listen to podcasts, but do you generally like the idea of equality? And that's all it takes. Fan of equality is all it takes. Um, give us a cheer if you listen to The Guilty Feminist. <laughs> give us a cheer if you don't know what you're at. Mm, see, those cheers are less certain, aren't they? Less empowered, less feminist, if you will. So if you don't know what you're at, this is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. <laughs> We're back. Um, has anybody got an act of feminism more lowly, as lowly, or slightly higher than asked her own husband to mind his baby? Yes? What's yours? You got a job where you tell male tradesmen what to do. Okay, so. So, like, your job is just saying to an electrician, change that plug. <laughs> Plumbers, plumber, yeah. that's loose broken. Yeah. Well, how can I get that job? That sounds amazing. <laughs> do you then get to watch them do it? Or it's just, <laughs> that's your choice. Is that a job? Or have, is that, it sounds like an exploitation service, but listen, if you're getting paid and you're getting through the day, then, you know, listen... Great. Okay, super. Now, has anybody got something? Now, we've had a couple of these that we feel, yeah, I could do this. Oh, you've got one? Yes? Um, I got a teal independent. Okay. A teal... Say this again. A teal independent. Voted into Josh Brandberg's speech. Voted into Josh Brandberg's speech. Okay, can you just come down? Can you just... 
do you mind just coming down? I think there's a microphone for us somewhere if anybody wants to come out, but maybe not. So do you mind just coming out? What's your name? Sorry, what's your name? Maria. Maria. Okay, and, and just, could you just say into the microphone what you did? Um, because, to be honest, I don't live in Australia and I didn't really understand it. <laughs> but it seemed like a very good thing, but it was something about a teal independent. Now, I've been hearing about teal independents. Um, what are they? <laughs> so, so, teal independents stood on three platforms. Uh, one was climate change, one was equality, and one was um, ethics and politics. Um, and I guess you guys might all know Dr. Monique Ryan. Who, yeah, <laughs> massively inspirational, and um, she took uh, Josh Frydenberg's seat, uh, the treasurer. And Josh Frydenberg's the treasurer. Was the treasurer, not the treasurer. Not holding the purse strings anymore, Josh. <laughs> yeah, she was amazing, and, um, and actually, I will go as far as to say, listening to The Guilty Feminist is one of the things that inspired me to campaign for her and to door knock. And, um, yeah, and it was just an amazing result. Oh, I'm just loving that story. I, thank you so much for saying that. That really means a lot to me, and I just feel so... This, that's such an incredible thing, to feel that connection with you, and also now to understand what teal independents are. Because <laughs> I've, I've slightly been nodding along, like I should know, and being like, yeah, those teal independents... Go teal. Teal, if you don't know, is a colour between blue and green. Um, and they were running on various platforms that weren't, you know, Labour or Liberal. Yeah. Um, liberal, confusingly, in Australia, being the party that isn't. <laughs> They're basically, it's like, it's so unfair. They can't call themselves, like, we're the progressives. Stop talking, women. Uh, that's our version of progress. Um, Anybody got anything that they need help with? Because we've now come up a curve, haven't we? We've come up a curve from a man is looking after his own baby, <laughs> uh, right up to an independent woman took the seat of uh, a, a bad guy, like a Batman villain. <laughs> the penguin. Um, so that's great. That's good news. Uh, has anyone got anything now that they need help with? A feminist project that they're working on? Yes? What's yours? <laughs> oh, okay. I work for a narcissist and I need to quit. Okay. Uh, can you phone him now? Because I will tell him. I will tell him here. I will tell him here. You're going to do it tomorrow? Okay, well, what's your name? Nicole. Okay, uh, so we're just going to give her this sort of rush of feminism by saying, Nicole, we're right behind you. Ready? One, two, three. Yeah, great. Okay, super. Do you need to record that on your phone or anything? Like, like so for tomorrow, you don't forget, like, we could all shout, he, if you get your voice notes out, and we'll all shout, he's a narcissist, do it, do it now. <laughs> something like that. You got, have you got your, could you record something on your camera or something? Have you got the ready? Okay. Are you ready? So it's going to be, he's a narcissist, do it, do it now. Okay, and that's what she's going to listen to beforehand. Okay, this is the feminist army. Ready? Three, two, one. He's a narcissist. Do it. Do it now. 
Great. Now, if anyone has anything uh, that they need volunteers or money for, or you know, you need something signed, you need someone, people ferrying you somewhere. Tell me later, have a think about it, and be ready to shout it out. Because normally when I say you've got something you need help with, people say something like, oh yeah, we've got this big you know, ecological gardening project and we need volunteers and we need money and if everyone could get involved, it's saving the environment, something like that. Uh, that was a unique one, Nicole. Uh, but I, it's my favourite. Because sometimes you just need the, the siblinghood, the sisterhood and the siblinghood to go, yeah, you're right. I doubt you'll be able to not quit tomorrow, and you haven't quit any of the other days. But tomorrow, you're going to listen to that on your headphones, and you are going to quit. I'm very excited. But please make sure to tell him why, or very least, tell HR why. Okay? Super. Hello, Guilty Feminists. This is Deborah. The Guilty Feminist presents Camp As Christmas is coming on the 3rd of December at Queen Elizabeth Hall. I'm hosting with Tom Allen. Acts include Sophie Duca, Daniel Fox, Larry Dean, Rosie Jones, Kima Bob, Russell Tovey and Rob Diamond, and many more. It is going to be the night of nights. Everyone on the bill is LGBTQ+. And 100% of our proceeds go to the Say It Loud Club, run for and buy LGBTQ plus refugees. We are back at King's Place live on the 21st of November with our incredible guest, Seiyi Akiwowo. She's written a book on the subject of internet safety and she's here to tell us all about it. Do not miss that night. Uh, the second half of that show will be taken over by the Fuck It Up Comedy Club. That's Kima Bob. And Fuck It Up Fox stands for Femmes of Colour. It's going to be an incredible night. That is also a podcast from the House of the Guilty Feminist. If you could do me a favour right now, Go to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to or follow uh, the Fuck It Up Comedy Club podcast and the Media Storm podcast. The Media Storm podcast, which is new from the House of the Guilty Feminist. Media Storm was only in their second season. Uh, they've already uh, won a number of awards, including a gold in the British Podcast Awards, and they're now nominated for a British Journalism Award as Best Interviewers. I really, really recommend uh, that you give them a listen because they're interviewing the people asked last, giving voice to the voiceless, and they're doing some very, very interesting journalism. We are also at King's Place on the 14th of December. We'll reveal our guest for that soon. For more information and to book, go to guiltyfeminist.com and click on live shows. To support the podcast and get ad-free episodes, go to patreon.com slash guiltyfeminist. And if you could pop over to iTunes and give us a five-star review, you can review any latest episode. You can review every episode if you want. Uh, we would really appreciate that. would help. If you could tell someone else about The Guilty Feminist, bring someone along to a live show, that would be an enormous help to keep the podcast going and support it. And now back to the podcast. Are you ready for some stand-up comedy? <laughs> What a night. You having a nice time? Fuck me. So wonderful to be here. As I say, this is a big deal for me to be. Thank you very much for having me. This is my probably last time on stage for a long time because you probably can't tell, but I'm having a baby. <laughs> Not right now. Nobody panic. Um, and I tell you what, I would have done it a lot sooner if I'd known about the applause. Oh, I love it. Oh, thank you. See, thank, thank you. 
Thank you. I don't know if I would have got into comedy because I could just do this, just, just walking around. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. I was reckless with contraception. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Uh, but anyone knows me? It's very off-brand. It's a weird thing for me. I never thought that I would be having a, a child. Um, I'm quite old. I'm 39. But I just... Look, I was getting a lot of pressure from taxi drivers, mainly. <laughs> anyone else? Why? Taxi drivers. Obsessed. Get in a taxi. Where are you going? Where's your kid? Don't know. So I was like, all right, fine, I'll have one. No, what actually happened was, here's what happened, Melbourne, is I, I just had a look at the world and I thought, you know what, this seems like a really safe and stable <laughs> environment in which I should bring new life immediately. You know, it seems like the right time, you know? Who knows? Maybe my kid will like war. <laughs> You don't know. Kids like different shit, you know? Some kids like dinosaurs. Mine might like building shelter and looking for water and natural disasters and being a cannibal. Who knows? <laughs> Although, I say that, I mean, the thing is, though, like, Mel, we know, like, we've had a change of government. Very exciting. And I don't know about you, but I've sort of allowed myself. Just, is anyone else allowing themselves just a tiny little feeling of... Hope? Is that what it's called? Just, that little, just a little glimmer that maybe there's what the future? future? Um, and Maria, I've got to tell you, I am a constituent of Kuyong and now under the, under the tutelage of, of Monique Ryan. How exciting. Um, full disclosure, I did vote Greens, then Monique, but she's great. <laughs> but I've got to tell you, you do your part. You do your little part in your way. I'm very, very excited. Where I live, um, at the top of the road, and the money, Josh Frydenberg used to do these like 10 A2 posters every day, like, and every day I'd go up and get a coffee and someone had graffitied them in really funny ways. Like the, my favourite one was there was a speech bubble at, coming out of Josh Frydenberg's mouth that just said, stop being poor. <laughs> right, right? And how's this for the money, right? Every day, every day, graffitied. Next day, new posters. Next day, graffitied. Next day, new posters. And I tell you what, I was running out of texters. I was like, fuck the money. I didn't do it, but I, I approve of whoever did that. Um, it's not entirely, like, a little bit of hope. I don't know about you, I feel a little bit of hope. Still a long way to go. We still got Dutton, don't we? Like, there's still, there's a few. Anyone, international listeners who don't know who, Dutton is one of our politicians who, look, what do you say? Um... <laughs> He's a man who it seems like he wasn't so much born as he was summoned. <laughs> it's right. It's like he stepped fully formed out of Pandora's box and went... I'm obsessed with the story of Pandora's box, by the way. I know it's, you probably have not heard that reference in a long time. You know the Greek mythology, you know, Pandora's box, which is where they blame one woman, opened a box she wasn't supposed to, and released all of the evils into the world, right? That's the story. Yeah. Did you know this? Genuinely, the original story wasn't called Pandora's box. It was Pandora's jar. It was originally Pandora's jar, and they changed it, and I can only guess it's because they went, no one's going to believe a woman can open a jar by herself. <laughs> They're like, we believe that a woman is responsible for all of the evils in the world, but she doesn't have the wrist strength. <laughs> Let's make it something girly like a box for rings or hats or chocolates. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, that material is slightly too new, but I went, if ever there's a room <laughs> that I can <laughs> throw out an undercooked feminist Pandora's box joke, it's here. 
No, no, see, too kind. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's what's been going on with me. This pretty much, my body is changing quite a lot. Um, I'm uh, currently at that point uh, where I'm identifying a lot with overweight, middle-aged men, which is where in the trouser department you have to decide whether to go Harry High Pants <laughs> or doing up my belt by feel. <laughs> so I usually choose doing up my belt by feel with the pants, right? And a couple of weeks ago, I was on a flight. I'm not flying anymore now, but I was on a flight a few weeks ago, and I, was do- I had the under-the-belt pants. I had ripped knee jeans, and I was on a plane. And weird things have been happening to my body the whole time, right? But I was on the plane in the sky, and I noticed on my leg, like, a big lump. Because there's all weird swellings and stuff you don't know. I had a big lump on one of my legs. But because I was wearing ripped jeans, I could reach inside my pants <laughs> to have a bit of a feel around. And I... On the plane, I went, oh, I'm just going to have a subtle reach inside to have a feel of this swelling. And I pulled out yesterday's undies. <laughs> See, it's so upsetting to me that often the funniest things I say aren't jokes. <laughs> I did. I pulled out yesterday's undies and look, I got a shock. Not as big a shock as the Qantas employee walking down the aisle who was asking for rubbish. I'm like, what? What? So that's me. I'm about to disappear. Um, I've still been doing gigs. This is my last one, as I say. Um, I've missed drinking a bit. It's been good to have a break for me from drinking. But um, as a comedian, I work where there's always alcohol around, in pubs and bars and stuff. And how's this? I had to do a week of gigs at a winery. What? Oh, that'll be funny. Let's send the pregnant woman to the winery. What is wrong with you? And then I had to go do a soft cheese sushi and roller coaster festival. I was like, this is fucked. <laughs> this is so nice. It's really weird. I'm in a really weird position in my life. It's so strange. I feel like I'm on a roller coaster, and all the other people who are about to have babies are in front of me. You just watch them go tick, 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 and just fuck off the edge. <laughs> and you have no clue, and you can't get off, and you're like, oh, no. Maybe I should have stayed on the teacups. Fuck. But I would just like to say, because and this is genuinely why I'm here. I'm like, this is my favourite gig. It's one of the most amazing platforms and opportunities to get to talk to like-minded people. But I would like to take this opportunity to say I'm so happy and grateful that I'm currently pregnant and carrying a baby that is very much loved and wanted. And um, with everything that's going on in the world, particularly in America, I just cannot imagine going through this process against my will. Do you know? Like, I just... The thought of having, in 2022, that a woman would have be forced against your will to carry and give birth to a child is just so... I'm so upset and angry and sad and all of the things. And it is... Um, it's just so fucked <laughs> um, that I've lost a train of thought about it um, and got flustered and I might have a baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, and I feel like it's one of those things where we here go, I've had people say to me, oh, it's America, it's not here. It's not. The fact that we have to, that we um, can't take for granted these rights that we have. And uh, it's very important to me that... Um, uh, that we have the right. It just makes no sense that it seems like our rights are being going backwards. Anyway, um, oh, fuck, I'm going to be so annoyed because I had planned like a sentence that was really meaningful to me and now it's gone. But <laughs> you know what I mean. Anyway, 
um, I, uh, it's very important to me, and uh, as I say, this child is very much wanted and, and, and loved. I, have, I had an abortion when I was 19, and I have no shame or regrets about that. At the time, um, just a thing. Um, at the time, I had, you know, had a bunch of people trying to talk me out of it, had to walk through protesters and all of that stuff, but it was absolutely the right decision for me at the time, and I'm so grateful that I was able to do that in a safe way. Oh, that's what I was going to say. This stuff we know doesn't... Banning abortion doesn't stop abortion, it just stops safe abortion. So it just... Women are absolutely going to be hurt because of this, so we need to fucking sort it out. Anyway. Um, so... So I went and I had an abortion when I was 19 and I absolutely the right decision for me. And at the time, the people who tried to talk me out of it were like, you're going to regret this. One day you're going to regret it, Celia. And I was 19. I'm 39 now. Do I regret it? No. Nah. <laughs> if I'm really honest with you, I've made decisions about sandwiches that I've regretted <laughs> more. You know, that have caused me more angst and more regret, like, I've got a sandwich and gone, ah, oh, fuck. Why did you ask for turkey? You know they put cranberry sauce on turkey. You hate cranberry sauce. Shit. That has upset me more than the decision I made over my own body. And I didn't have to walk through protesters to buy a fucking sandwich. Wish I had. I wish I had. I wish there'd been a guy there with a big placard that said, cranberry sauce is the devil's semen. And I would have gone, thank you, sir. Thank you, I'll have chicken. And the other thing I'll say on the topic that has bugged me for years, which is I hate that in the conversation, pro-choice is the good guys, right? It's pro-choice is pro a woman's right to choose what she does with her body. Great, the good guys, right? And then there's the opposing group who really should be called anti-abortion because that's what they're about. But they're not. They're called pro-life, which sucks because pro-life sounds better than pro-choice, you know? Like, even I get confused. If someone's like, hey, you pro-life? I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm not anti-life. I love life. Life's my second favourite thing to get high on, you know? <laughs> it's fucked. Like, the bad guys shouldn't be allowed to have a good guy name. It's like, the KKK shouldn't be allowed to call themselves pro-sheet. <laughs> I might accidentally vote for that. I love sheet. It's fucked. Anyway, that's all I say in it. Thank you very much. Do you see how un uncomfortably... <laughs> getting political sits on me. <laughs> um, so, I will finish with some gossip. Yay! <laughs> because, you know, look, there's a story attached to this, and you're not going to believe it, there's a man attached to the baby, um, which is the most shocking thing of all, because a lot of people who know me are like, yeah, I believe you'd get knocked up, Celia, but you got a plus one for Christmas? Get out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and everyone's family looks different, and there's so many different ways of doing this, and this, me, I am currently in a relationship with the baby's father. I met him online during lockdown less than a year ago. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> ah, yep. I met him ten months ago and I'm currently eight months pregnant. So... <laughs> that'll be the next show. I met him online during lockdown, and I tell you what, anyone who was doing online dating during lockdown, I tell you what, it just made my life so much easier, is once I decided that I was only dating vaccinated men. Oh, what a time saver. <laughs> what a time saver. Like, just cut through the bullshit straight away. It was so good. Because it was like, if you tell me you're vaccinated, you are telling me you care about people, you believe in science, and you know how to book a fucking appointment. Ah. Oh. <laughs> 
You tell me you've got a therapist, I'll put anal on the table. I'm not kidding. I'll try it. I'll try it. It's hot. It's what I want. So this guy, I've met him on an app that immediately sent you to their Instagram page, which is great, so you could, you could like, stalk them, okay? So we'd been texting for about a week before we'd spoken or anything, before I went to his Instagram page, and I learnt from his Instagram page two very interesting things about this man, okay? Number one, he's a photographer. Ooh, that's kind of cool. Cute. Photographer. Interesting. And number two, he's Italian. Ooh. That's fun. I'm Italian. Nice. Turns out, he's not Italian. I'm bad at flags. He's Irish. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I had no idea. And I said to him, I'm like, Seamus? Seamus Patty Fiddledy-Dee-O Potatoes. You're Irish? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the rest of the show. Celia Pecola, everybody. Isn't she magnificent? And this really is her last gig. She said, I was really done, but I thought, it's the guilty feminist, come on. Uh, so she and her daughter, are perfor- that's her first performance. I mean, I'm just so excited. And um, Are you having a good time, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> I'm your birthday present. <laughs> you enjoying me? You want to blow me out? <laughs> You're making direct eye contact with me in a very specific way there. Our next guest is a proud Samoan, Fafine and trans woman of color. She's an international speaker, performing artist, writer, activist, and storyteller who infuses the intersectionality of gender, culture, and life experiences in her performances, works, and talks. Tonight, we are so privileged to have her come and do some extraordinary poetry. That's right, Melbourne. We've brought you culture. (laughs) You're Melbourne, that's what you're known for. We didn't have this in Brisbane. So put your hands together and make incredible Melbourne guilty feminist welcoming riotous orgiastic noises for the incredible Amalia Toulouse. everybody. It's such a pleasure to be here. I would like to pay my respects first and foremost to our elders past, present and emerging. Even my queer elders and also my Pacific Indigenous elders. Let me count the waves. Let me count the waves. Tasipati. Luapati. Thus, with the air that I breathe of my language and my culture that connects me to my past, present, and possible future, the rites of passage of my queer responsibility to mankind 
to my people, to me. I treasure my ancestors like a brown girl in the rain and by the rivers of Babylon. Yeah, yeah, we weep, we weep, we weep. For the future generations as our own rivers of Babylon overflows unexpectedly and we're left to pick up the pieces and explain to our future Pacific generations of what was and what we could have done to disrupt, fight, and protect our honor. The oxygen we give life, clouded in fear over our misfortunes and our mistakes, and the climate change fight being reported in many directions. We smile in our tears, as if we choose this journey by pure luck. I should have, but I don't have answers. Yeah, yeah, we weep, we weep. I weep within my grief. The ecosystems of suffrage and in future, we are not defined or labeled by any other kind of status, but by the displacement of environmental stress and how we battle to grasp international refuge law. Tasipati, luapati, nofo. And then we weep, we weep, we weep. The future compass of life existence pointing towards the erasure of not only identity, but the slow death and disposition of Pacific nations. Yeah, yeah, we weep, we weep. Like the blood that flows within my soul, we weep. Tasi pati, loa pati, nofo. I'll do one more poem, and it's um, it's just a reflection of the way one evolves. So in my culture, we have the term, the special term, the fabulous term, fafafine, and um, that's how I best identify a trans woman of colour, but I pay respects to my own indigenous Pacific culture of being a proud fafafine woman. <laughs> my beauty, sila sila ilok beauty, Look at my beauty. Amata mai malemata alofa. You with the eyes of love. Oteta ele malau anganu'u. I bathe within my culture. Malefanu'u itsitonu o lima. Through the oil of the palms of my hands. Oa upu falupenga. My words of our tree. As I navigate through the constellation of the stars. Who am I? I seek warmth in my gender, in my stand, my identity, within my identity. I dance with the grace and the eyes of happiness. Kamalika, chameleon.
take a seat, Amal. Come take a seat. Where are you going to sit? Do you want to sit here? Okay, great. Amal, that was absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what led you to poetry? I think it was just finding a rhythm, like finding where my place in the society, in this world. So, you know, being trans, um, identifying as trans, evolving to be trans, and then you know, looking upon my own uh, Pacific Indigenous identity of Fafafine. So it kind of fitted in line. We, I come from a culture that's known as orators. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so it just felt in line with that. And it's just something that I enjoy doing. Well, you're, you're wonderful, Ada. It was really moving to watch. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about the Fafafine uh, tradition? Because I think at the moment... Uh, there's certainly in the UK, there are a lot of people who go, oh, people are coming out as trans and is, what's happening like it's new? And I'm increasingly understanding that if we are to solve the climate crisis and if we are to take on global pandemics, we're going to have to come together as the human race and we're going to have to be led by indigenous people because they're the only ones who've ever got it right. Until colonization that indigenous, li indigenous lifestyle wasn't destroying the environment. It, you know, it was colonization that brought diseases to different continents. So, you know, I look to indigenous leaders and every time they present calm and powerful messages. And I'm really interested in the Fafine tradition. Could you please tell us a little bit about it? Okay. It's a, we see it as a gender identity or... Um, it's we don't have the LGBTIQ framing that is best known to the Western world, the Western culture. So we have a layered term called fafafine. Um, specifically, it kind of looks is associated with trans women, but it also has uh, the framing of gay men. Like I said, we don't. It's kind of fluid. We don't have a LGBTIQ framing on our um, queer society or our, our so-called LGBTIQ society. Sorry, we, we're going to need you to put things in lots of little boxes because um, <laughs> we love white people love a box, and uh, we do need to know which of these boxes it's in. I was reading Emma Diberi, what white people could do next. She's yeah. an incredible <laughs> academic and commentator, and she was saying in in Africa. Every, the indigenous people, everything was more fluid. Like there's just this, yeah. this binary or even we've got all of these letters and that's not to say there's no use to the LGBTQI plus yeah. letters. We're not diminishing that. But the fluidity interests me. It's not this or that. It's not hot or cold. It's, it's you know, that's not how we think about other things. Um, we don't, it's not just hot or cold. It's warm or it's hotter than it was before or, you know, everything else it's, is fluid. Yeah, it's probably the opposite to what the Western world would expect or expectations. Um, we tend to do things that are in the opposite. So our, our community back in Samoa, in American Samoa, is a lot more relaxed in terms of the whawhawhine identity. Our Prime Minister that we had for 40 years, who just exited last year, uh, was the patron of our whawhawhine association. So that would be putting someone like Scott Morrison in charge of an LGBTI. Oh, yeah, maybe no Not. to that. <laughs> I hear he's free, but... Um, yeah, yeah. 
Here he's not doing much, but, uh, but yeah. let's not do that, I think. He, he, he was, uh, he's, he's, he's done his bit. Um, I'm really fascinated by this, and I would love to get you on another time. Maybe we could have a, a, a Zoom and do an extra episode, because you know, it's fascinating to hear you talk about it. It's an archaic tradition. And I, I asked you before, was it like a, a, a sort of special thing, or was there any... Uh, you know, sort of, it, was it was it endowed with anything? No, there was. It was just through history that we've known to have, like, also through Pacific histories, uh, what would be considered their gender. So, uh, Tahiti was or Ma'u, and uh, once upon a time, the the, the travels of uh, Captain Cook. And um, some of his um, fellow uh, ship men, men on the ship had encountered, or there was uh, hearsay uh, spoken of um, kind of get-togethers with some of the ma'u. So we have a strong, we have a strong Fafafine uh, community back in Samoa and globally, um, and there's a lot of respect for us. Um, and it's just the opposite, where I would struggle here in the Western Wolf, the Westerners trying to get their heads over the trans stuff. Uh, my my community um, is a lot... We do face discrimination, however so. It's not to the extent where they have here or other parts in the world. Um, you can ha- you can be a teacher and you can be whawhawhine. Uh, you can have a government position... And you know, it's just no. It's just it's just a thing you are. Yeah, like it's just, tall or short or yeah. It's not. And it's so, not. It's not a thing to be gotten over or no, understood. Or it's just. I is. think people will look at you as if you can do the job. That's more important. And so. Oh, you, what a radical idea! Yeah. <laughs> if you can do the job, that's more important. Oh wow! So, uh, learning so many things. Um, <laughs> Uh, Amal, we love we love you. Where can we see more of your work or read more of your work? Ideally, where can we buy something that to support your work? Well, I have a book that I'm a part of, I and it's great. I can't remember. Thank you. Okay, so, so if <laughs> it's you, the lights. If you, if you could Google Amal, A M A O, Leota, L E O T A, and Lou. Uh, L-U, and you can, I'm sure you'll be able to find her poetry online and ideally buy the book uh, so that you're supporting it. Is it an anthology you're part of, did you say? Yes, and I've got an event tomorrow, which I'm, uh, a show tomorrow, which is called Queer Pacifica, and if you're out at St. Albans, um, it's at the Bury Theatre, so please come down. There's going to be some Great. amazing Queer Pacific talent and Wonderful. stories. And even Thank if you. you're not at, out at St. Albans, you could go there. Um, because the mouse come here tonight, so you could go there. These are just suggestions. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, two, nights in, two nights in a row. Think how feminist you'll be, Dave. Um, um, that was absolutely phenomenal. A big round of applause for Amalio Tolo. So that was the first half. Join us for part two, which should be in your feed right now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.